on your way in, I encourage you, you can take time now. It's going to be less awkward now if you stand up and grab communion than later. So if you go ahead, it's all right. It's all right. Uh, but we want to make sure that everybody has that. We're going to be taking that at the end uh, of service. Uh, we'll be receiving the elements there. But today is our last, our last message in our Get Real series. In our Get Real series, and, and it's just been amazing what God has been doing through this series as we've learned what it means to have real conversations, honest conversations with God. And, and we've learned through that time that, you know, we can, we can trust God with our fears. We can trust God with our doubts. We can come to God with our questions. We can come to God with our praise. We can come to God with anything that we're struggling with because the number one thing that we need to do is, is just be real with God. Be honest with him. Have honest conversations with him. We shouldn't be fake when we come before the creator of this universe. We just need to be honest with him. And when we're honest with him, God moves powerfully. Sometimes we're out of line. Sometimes we're wrong because God's always right. But, but sometimes it's just we need to share our emotions. We need to share our pains. We need to share what we're really struggling with with God. And today... We're going to look at one last element of, of just an honest conversation. Again, we're looking in the book of Psalms and uh, looking through all the different Psalms. This, uh, many weeks, we, we look at Psalms written by King David and uh, all the different, uh, he, he wrote the majority of the book. And today, if you got your Bibles, you can open them up to Psalm 139. Psalm 139. Now, as you're turning there, we're going to do a little bit uh, of a, experiment today, all right? Everybody good? You ready to be some guinea pigs out there? Don't worry, it won't hurt too much. Uh, here's what I want you to do. All right, look at your neighbor. All right, everybody kind of pair up with somebody next to you, okay? Find a partner, find a partner. We're all good. Awesome. And uh, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take 10 seconds. You each get 10 seconds, so I'll, I'll tell you start and go. Uh, but take 10 seconds and I want you to tell your neighbor as much about yourself as you can. All right? Think you can do that in 10 seconds. All right, who's going to go first? Raise your hand. All right, make sure you know who's going first. All right, first person, you've got 10 seconds. On your marks, get set, go. Much as you can about yourself. Faster, faster. Three, two, one, time. All right, stop talking. All right, person B, where, where, where's the second person now? You ready? Second person, it's your turn. You ready to get open, ready to get real, ready to get honest? Right here, you got 10 seconds. Ready, set, go. Three seconds left. All right, time. There we go. Now... I'm just going to go out on a limb here and guess that your conversation probably sounded something like this. You know, hi, my name is Frank. Uh, I'm married to Susie, and uh, I work at 3M. I enjoy golfing and grilling meat, and uh, I have three kids, and my youngest I'm the most proud of. They're my favorite. They're in med school. You know, something like that. <laughs> I'm guessing your conversation didn't sound like, hi, my name is Frank. I was abused as a child. Um, I've struggled with it ever since, but I try to act tough. I try to act like I have it all together, but on the inside, I'm really hurting, and I, I feel like I'm a bad father, and I'm a bad husband, and, and if I was really honest, I feel like maybe I've had some suicidal thoughts lately. 
I'm guessing nobody got to that level in those 10 seconds, right? Because when we, when we talk to each other, it's just we like to start out surface area, and, and that makes sense. You guys only had 10 seconds. You can't get down into the, the deep things. But oftentimes, no matter how much time we have, we like to just stay on that uh, surface level and not get down to the depths of things. Because we've been taught, or maybe we've experienced in life when we do open up to people, those are the times when we get hurt, when we let people in it, and they see all the stuff and all the baggage and all the, we, we, we get hurt. We don't know what they're going to do with those things. We don't know who they're going to tell. We don't know how they're going to respond. We don't know if they really see the true me. Are they still going to love me? Are they still going to look at me the same way? Or are they going to judge me? Are they going to, you know, just look at me and, and I don't know if I can handle that anymore. So we, we tend to keep it all together. We keep the walls up. We, we try to keep it at surface level because we don't want to get hurt. But I want you to just look around the building. Just look around at a couple faces. And I want you to know that every face that you're looking at today, uh, that person has hurts and pains. That person doesn't have it all together. Right? We all struggle. We all go through things. No matter how polished we look on the outside, we all have hurts and pains. So if you feel like you're alone this morning, you're not. Do not. We all go through the pains and the struggles, and that's okay. It just means that we're normal. So today, the big question that I, I really want to answer is, uh, what do you do with those areas in your life where you just feel that you can't trust anyone? That you just don't want people to know? that? What do you do with those areas that you'd rather keep hidden in your lives? And so to find the answer to that, we need to, again, turn to Psalm 139. And I want to read the first 12 verses to you here this morning. It says this, O Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. You hem me in behind and before. You have laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for the darkness is as light to you. So there's... Some big truths in this passage that I want to pull out today. And I think the biggest truth, the one that's kind of just staring us in the face from these first 12 verses is this. It's that God knows you completely. God knows you completely. Right? The person sitting next to you, even if they're your spouse, even if they're a kid, even if it's that person that knows you the best in this world, they still don't know you as good as God. God knows you completely. He knows you better than you know yourself. Uh, when it says that you've searched me, that word searched in the Hebrew, uh, it means to examine intimately. And in other places where that word is used, it actually means to dig or to bore down into the ground like you're searching for metal or, or precious gems or something like that or for water. And so this carries the meaning that God doesn't just know you on a surface level, but he digs under the surface. He goes deep into our lives and he knows you even to the greatest depths of your soul. He knows every tiny detail about you. He knows who you really are. See, he knows, like it said in here, he knows every move you make. 
every thought that you think. He knows the words before you, you say them. He knows the places that you're going to go. He knows it all, right? It said in here, you know when I sit and when I rise. God, you know when I sit and when I rise. That seems like a weird thing, right, for God to know of just like, all right, they are currently standing. It is 1121, 30 seconds in, you know, and, and you go through. And it's like God knows every time when you get up and when you sit down. He knows. He knows those moments in the middle of the night when you're sitting there awake and nobody else is. He knows when you get up. He knows the pains that you're going through when you wake up, and it's just, oh, man. But you just try to keep it to yourself. He knows. He knows the, the mundane details about your life. There's even a passage that says that God knows the number of hairs on your head. Think about how long it would take you to count the number of hairs on your head, right? It would take a long time. Some people would be faster than others. <laughs> I think it would take me a lot less time. Uh, so it's just... God knows every detail about you. He knows every detail about you. Even the trivial things in your life, he knows. In a trivia contest about your life, you would lose to God. Right? You would lose to God. See, God is interested in everything about you. It also says that he perceives your thoughts from afar. Before you even think it, God knows it. Before you say those thoughts, God knows it. Right? There's always thoughts. There's some thoughts that we think. And we think, well, maybe I shouldn't have said that. And there's other thoughts that we think, and we're like, I would never say that. Like, I would never let that get out of my mouth. That's just, that pops in my head. God knows those thoughts, right? He knows everything, even the things that we wouldn't want anybody else to know. God knows your thoughts. He knows the strange ones. He knows the loving ones. He knows uh, the logical ones. He knows the sinful ones. He knows the thoughts. And in fact, it says that God's word judges the thoughts and attitudes of our hearts. Right? He knows those. He sees those things. Uh, you ever been in a meeting where you tried speaking up, but nobody wanted to listen to you because, you know, maybe you didn't have the right rank or you didn't have the right title or you shouldn't have been in there and you just felt undervalued? Right? Anybody been there before? See, God knows. God listens. God cares. And even though nobody else might think that your thoughts matter, God thinks your thoughts matter. God knows your thoughts. God cares about your thoughts. He's there with you. Another thing in this passage, it says, you discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all of my ways. See, not only does God know what you're doing, but he knows what you're going to do. He knows your next step. He knows the path that's ahead of you. He knows every rock and every, you know, breakaway point, every place that you might go on that path. To think that God not only knows your present, he not only knows your past, but God also knows your future. Think about that for a minute. God knows your future. He, he knows everything about you. He even knows where you're going to go in this life. It says, before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, oh Lord. You know every word. Have you ever been so connected with someone that you start saying the same things or you know what they're going to say next? You know, maybe it's a sibling or a spouse um, or just, you know, an older family member in in your family that says the same story over and over again. And so you know, as soon as you hear that trigger word, oh, I know exactly what they're going to say next, right? God knows everything about you. He knows every word that you're about to say. Every single word. He, he knows it before you even speak it. Okay, another test. You guys get to be a lot of guinea pigs today, all right? This is great. This is great. So I want you to do this. I want you to try to guess the next word I'm going to say, all right? So we're all going to shout out a word at the same time. 
And we're going to see if you can guess the same word I'm going to think. We're going to see, because God knows. All right, you ready? I want you to lock that word in your head. The word I'm about to say. This is scary. Here we go. You ready? Three, two, one. Biodegradable. Anybody? Biodegradable? No? See, God knew. God knew what I was going to say. Uh, but God also knew every word you were going to say. Every wrong guess, right? And we probably all came up with a different word in here. I heard tacos. Um, try not thinking about that the rest of service, right? God knew every word. He knew every word, and he knows every word of everybody, right? God knows every word that you shout from the rooftops. He knows every word that you whisper in secret places. He knows. See, in your view of God, you may have come to realize that God knows everything, right? And you're spot on. But I also want you to get today that he not only knows everything, but God knows you. Right? God knows you. He knows everything, but he knows you. You're, you're not just some trivial piece of knowledge to God. He knows you, and he knows you deeply. He's an expert on you. You may be one in almost 8 billion people in our world, but you are not a statistic to God. You're not a statistic to God. You're not just another person with issues. He knows you. He knows everything about you. He knows you completely. See, God not only knows everything about you, but he knows wherever you go. It says that we can't run from God's presence. We can't outrun God. He's with us in the heavens. He's with us in the depths, in land, sea, dark, or light. There was a long-standing tradition at summer camp every year where we would, uh, for one game during the week, we would have what we'd call a leader hunt or a counselor hunt. And all the, the leaders would go out and they would hide from all the middle school campers or high school campers, and we'd get 10 minutes to go and hide. And it was, it was an exciting time because it's like we're going to beat these campers, right? They've been, we've been letting them win all week, but this is our time. We're going to shine, and we're going to go hide away, and it's going to be great. And uh, so it was always my goal as a leader to finally win and finally not be, be found. But there's a little difference. High school camp was very easy to win because high school campers wanted to be cool. You know, they walked out. Nope, don't see anything. Well, I think I'll just hang out for a while. You know, it'd be like one or two leaders would be found. Middle school campers were wired a little bit differently. They would come out, and like logic really hasn't set in at middle school yet. So they were just like, there's a stump. Maybe they're behind the stump. Maybe they're under the grass. You know, they were checking everything. They were sold out. They weren't going to let a single leader be found. And that's just the way it was. So high school camp, you went, middle school camp was a different game. All right? So I was always trying to win at middle school camp. And uh, I would hide everywhere. Uh, one year, I went and climbed a tree. And I got up there and I thought, this is a great hiding spot. Nobody will see me. Ten seconds, they walk out, look up, found you. I got stabbed and sappy for this. Like, this was a bad idea. So next year, I went and hid in a trailer. I thought, ah, they won't find me here. Knock, knock. Pulls it down. Found you. Like, oh, can't get away from these people. So the next year, I thought, I found an abandoned building. I mean, it had been taken over by squirrels. And I thought, okay, I'm going to go in there. Nobody wants to go in there. It's nasty in there. Go in the back. Five minutes in. Found you. Oh, come on. So then the next year, I thought, okay, I found a really good hiding spot. There was like a pile of lumber sitting behind a building that nobody really went back behind. And, and so I, I saw it earlier in the week, and I'm like, that's a spot. That's it. I'm going to get by the middle schoolers this year. 
I go out there, go back there, pull off some, some boards and all that, and I find a place to get under there. I cover myself so it still looks like the same pile. It's dark in there. Uh, about 10 minutes into the game, like I feel something crawl across my legs. But I didn't say anything. I wasn't going to give up. Like I'm in it to win it at this point. And we were getting close. I knew the horn was going to blow any second. And uh, all of a sudden, a couple middle schoolers come by, and they just start like kicking the boards. And I'm like holding my breath, trying not to panic, trying not to breathe, trying not to worry about what's crawling across my leg. And right before the horn blows, they pull back the boards, found you. I lose again. I mean, we tried every, we even had a guy hide in the lake with a straw. We had a guy in a ghillie suit out there. And it's just, they found us every time, right? But it's interesting, it's similar to the presence of God. We, we try to hide our lives because we don't want God to find out all the issues that we have. We think if we run away that God won't be able to find us if we just, you know, hide ourselves in. But every time, no matter how far we run, it's like God is right there saying, found you. You didn't get too far away from me. I'm right here. You can't run away from me. My presence is with you wherever you go. See, in your view of God, you may have come to realize that, that God is everywhere, that God is everywhere and you're right. But not only is he everywhere at the same time, but God is with you. God is with you. And, and it's not just like he's with you, and, but he's busy on his cell phone and not caring about you. It's not like he's with you, but you know what? I, I've really got to put my concern more on this natural disaster that's happening and they need me more than you. No, God is he's with you. He, he's present with you. He's concerned uh, about you. He wants to know your thoughts. He wants to know what you're doing. He wants to know what you're thinking. Again, he's an expert about you. See, being known completely can be scary. That's why we don't open up to people. It can be scary. That's why we don't let people in. Because we're afraid that if anyone knew us completely, that they wouldn't love us. And we even see this from very first Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. First man and first woman. God gives them one rule. You can eat from any tree you want, but don't eat from this tree. This one tree. Any, anything else. Well, they gave in to temptation and they, they took the fruit and they ate it. And the first thing they did, they go and hide. They go and hide because they didn't want God to know. They thought they could hide from God. They thought that they could hide their sins away, that God wouldn't be able to find out. But God knew. God knew. Even though he's like, hey, where are you? We're hiding. They were worst hiders in the world, right? They announced that they were hiding. And, and so that all those things, but we, we try to hide away because we're ashamed. But let me answer this question. Why is it safe to be known by God? Why is it safe to be completely known by God? Because we don't like other people to know us because we don't know what we're gonna, they're going to do with that information. They, we don't know how they're going to view us. But why is it safe to be completely known by God? In verse 13, uh, it carries on. I think we find an answer for it. It says, you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. So why is it safe to be known by God? Why is that okay? And the first reason why it's safe to be known by God is this. Because God created you intentionally. 
God created you intentionally. You see, it says in here that God created you from the inside out. He knit you together in your mother's womb. God is your creator. Before your parents ever knew you, God knew you. And it said that you were made fearfully, right? You were made fearfully. Or in other words, you were made intentionally. You were made reverently. You were made with care. Now, in about a week and a half, something really scary is coming up for our teenagers and our kids. School, right? How did it get here so fast? Anybody else wonder where summer went? Uh, but here we are. And uh, so school's coming. And with that, uh, so is for our family anyways, we, we're, we're a cold lunch family. We, we make lunches every day for our kids. And uh, I've noticed there's two different ways to make school lunches. So first you have my wife Angie's method, right? She goes there and, and uh, you know, she gets out all the ingredients to, to make the lunch. And, you know, she's making a ham sandwich. So she gets the mayo out and she spreads it. I mean, every corner of the bread is covered. There's not a, there's not a corner that doesn't have mayo on both sides. You know, she, she delicately puts on the, the ham on the sandwich, making sure nothing bleeds out the edges and, and, and closes it up. And then even on, on some days, she even bought a little uh, uh, cutout and she presses a little heart into it, right? And, and now, she, now they've got a, a sandwich in the shape of a heart. How, how nice is that, right? And, and then, uh, you know, she goes in and, and looks for some healthy things for them to eat and, and uh, puts it all in there, just, just nice, making sure that nothing bleeds over onto the edges or goes out of its container. You know, the pretzels are all lined up nice. And, and, uh, and she even writes a little sticky note, you know, letting them know, hey, Jesus loves you and we're praying for you today and puts it in there, packs it up, probably gives it a little kiss and, you know, puts it, puts it back in there. And then there's my method. Um, and I'm focused on, on a couple of things. The first one is this, speed. <laughs> all right? I ain't got time for this. And actually, that's really all I'm focused on. It's just speed. So, you know, you just squirt the mayonnaise on there. You just kind of flap the thing together a couple of times. We call it good. We, we throw the meat on there. Uh, I just go in the fridge, look for leftovers, see what I can throw in there. What can we get rid of before it expires? Uh, it might bleed over. It might not. You, you put it in there. You slap it in. All right, get out the door. We got to go, right? So there's two different ways to do that. In my opinion, same amount of calories, just a different amount of love. So I don't know, it's still working either way. But you know, when God crafted you, he did method one. He, he took Angie's method and, and he crafted you with love. He, he took time. He didn't make a mistake. It, it, you weren't an accident. He knew exactly. You, were, you weren't crafted with leftovers, right? God gave you the best. He, he gave you exactly what you needed. He didn't fill in any gaps. When God knit you together in your, your mother's womb, he made you the exact way you needed to be. He made you intentionally. You know what? I think somebody needed to hear that today. You're not a mistake. You're not an accident. God made you intentionally. God made you intentionally. You were crafted by the master craftsman. And not only did he make you intentionally, but the second thing is this. God created you unique. He created you unique. He made you one of a kind because it says that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderfully made. And, and in the Hebrew, wonderfully means to be distinct, to be marked out, to be separated, to be distinguished. So God made you wonderfully by making you one of a kind. He made you one of a kind. There's no one else like you. There's not anyone else who's ever walked on this planet like you, and there never will be. You are one of a kind. God made you unique. You see, God is creative. God never uses a mold so that he can make the same thing twice. He doesn't, he doesn't use a mold. He doesn't, you know, uh, mass produce things 
you know, he doesn't put you on a factory line and, and at the end, you know, there's, all right, there's 3,000 francs. Go, you know, no. He makes you uniquely. He oversees each person. He personally creates each part of his creation. I mean, take, for example, uh, snow. If you were to take a cubic foot of snow, right? Just a little cube of snow. In there, if you were to break it down, you'd find about 18 million snowflakes in that cube of snow. And if you would put those under a microscope, you wouldn't find two of them alike, right? And that's just in one foot of snow. God didn't have to be that creative. He could have just said, snowflake, snowflake, snowflake. No, everyone's different because that's just our God. He, he creates, he makes things beautiful, he makes things one of a kind. And if he makes that much uniqueness in snow, how much more unique does he make you? His favorite creation, the, the, the creation that he made in his own image. See, you are unique. Uh, your DNA is uniquely yours. In each cell in your body, uh, scientists estimate about 3.2 billion nucleotide pairs. And your body contains about 20,000 to 25,000 genes. I mean, in every cell, think about how creative God was down to the cellular level in your body, that he made you unique. Your fingerprints are uniquely yours. Even uh, uh, every swirl and whirl is made just for you. Even though you're an identical twin or something, you still are unique. God made you unique. He's given us all different gifts. He's given us different talents. He's given us different skills. Uh, some of us are smaller. Some of us are taller. Some of us have deep voices. Some of us have high-pitched voices. You know, all over the map, right? God's made each one of us unique. He's made each of us unique. He's made us intentionally. He's made us unique. And God has also created you with a purpose. He's created you with a purpose. It says, all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. In verse 16, he, he knows every day. He's got every day planned out. You were designed with a purpose. And maybe you're just like, man, my life doesn't feel very purposeful. Well, that's because you're not living for him yet. When you get on track with him, he still has a purpose for your life. No matter how far you've wandered off that path, God wants to bring you back and put you on the right path because he's got a purpose for your life. And it's not a small purpose. It's a big purpose. He wants to use you to do things that are beyond your ability, beyond your imagination, because that's the kind of God that we serve, a God who is above and beyond our imagination. That's the kind of God we serve. And so God has big plans for us, but we don't discover those until we surrender to him. The fourth thing is that God cares about you. Right? That's why we can trust him, to be known completely by him. We can trust it because God cares for you. It says to this, how precious, in verse 17, how precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. You see, God cares about you. God is thinking about you. He's not just physically present with you. He's thinking about you. That's kind of weird to think. The God of the universe is like thinking about you right now. He's thinking about what you're thinking, about how you're doing. It says if we were to count the number of thoughts that he has, we couldn't even count them. More than the grains of sand in this world. God's thinking about you. And it, it's not just thinking about you anyway. You ever get an idea that just consumes your thought life? Like you wake up one morning, you're sitting there at breakfast, and an idea pops in your head. Maybe it's a vacation that you want to take. Maybe it's a way to fix the project you've been working on. Uh, you know, maybe it's uh, whatever it might be or an idea for a new job. And then all day long, that idea is just stuck right here. I mean, you're at work, 
and you're not even thinking about what you're supposed to be. You're just turning into a mannequin doing what you've always done because your brain is just elsewhere. You get to lunch, you know, you're sitting there Googling things on your phone, trying to figure it out. Uh, you get home, that's all you want to talk about at the dinner table. Uh, you stay up way past your bedtime, and it's not even difficult because your mind is just racing with all of those thoughts. That's the way God thinks about you. That's the way God cares about you. Man, he's in love with you. He cares about you. You're not just another face in the crowd. He's always thinking about you. How can I help them? How can I put them on the right path? How can I warn them that, that they're going in a dangerous place? How can I show them how much I love them today? He's always thinking about you because God is interested in your life. He thinks about you often. He wants to see you succeed because he cares for you. And on a side note, throughout this whole passage, I want you to know that your value doesn't come because of how talented you are because of how much you have in your bank account or what job you have or uh, all those different things. Your value comes from who created you. Your value comes from who created you. What makes you valuable? Because that's what it said, that God knit you together in your, in your mother's womb, that God made you. He made you one of a kind. Uh, one of the most valuable paintings in the world is the Mona Lisa. You know, they, they have a hard time valuing it. They say maybe $850 million. And, but more than likely, it's priceless. You know, they're not going to go sell that thing. And over years and years and years, there's been thousands of people who have tried to copy the Mona Lisa, right, who've, who've tried to paint it. There's probably been a few people who have, you know, painted it uh, even better than the original. But yet, even the best imitation, even the best copy of the Mona Lisa, the most it's sold for is about $3 million as compared to $850 million, as compared to, to priceless See, its value is so high because of who painted it, because Leonardo da Vinci painted it all those years ago. In the same way, your value is high. You are valuable, not because of what you've done, not because of what you've gone through, but because you're one of a kind, because God created you. You're valuable. One more reason why it's safe to be known by God completely. It's this. It's not from this passage. It's from the book, though. God loves you. God loves you. It's a simple truth. But something we need to be reminded of often, because oftentimes we forget. We, we feel like, oh, I've done too much. I've, I've done too many things. God can't love me anymore. I've messed up too good. No. God loves you. God loves you. It's a simple truth. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Right? God loves you. He gave up his only son. He gave up Jesus. Jesus gave up his life and died on that cross. So that we could have life. Not because he wanted to play the hero. Not because he wanted all the attention. No, because he loves you. He would do it for you. And so now, when we call on the name of Jesus, when we reach out to him, when we say, God, forgive me. God, I need you. God, I need a savior. Jesus, would you save me? When we do that, God has the power to forgive our sins and to purify us and to make us new. And to clean up all that junk that we have on the inside. All those things that we don't want people to know because we're ashamed of. And we don't want them to come in. But God comes in and he cleans us up. And he makes us new when we make him the Lord of our life. He forgives us and he gives us eternal life. See, it's not scary to be known by God if you know how much he loves you. If he knows how much he cares for you. If you know how, 
how much he, he thought when he made you, when he knit you together, when he gave you your skills and your talents and your characteristics, when we know that we're in the hands of the creator who knows us intimately, it's not a scary place, it's a safe place to be known by God because we are loved by God completely. Worship team, would you come? You see, all of this is, is leading to the final two verses in this passage. We didn't even get to the honest conversation yet that David had with God here. But it's found in the last two verses. See, at the beginning, David is just spouting out truth. God, you, you know me. You've searched me. God, you, you know everything about me. You know my insides. You know my outsides. God, you know where I am. I can't escape from you. I, I know that I was handcrafted, that I am one of a kind, that I am fearfully and wonderfully made. God, I know all of these things. And it leads us to the final two verses where he has a real conversation with God. Verse 23 says this. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Search me and know me, O God. See, because you are known by God completely, because you are loved by God completely, you can trust God to run a diagnostic check in your life from the inside out. You can open it up and say, God, here I am. Here's everything. The good, the bad, and the really ugly. But God, I trust you. Come in, clean me out. God, see if there's anything offensive in me that just rubs you the wrong way. God, that isn't honoring you. God, scrub it all clean. God, make me new. Make me like you, God. See, we don't like to open up. We don't like to show people the skeletons in our closet or show people, you know, all the stuff that we've swept under the rug, all the garbage we've, we've tossed away where nobody can find it. We don't like showing people that thing because we're, we're scared again of how they might handle the information, of how they might look at us differently if we let them know. But we can trust God. We can trust God to, to come on in, show them all the closets, show them under the rug, Show them the, the basement where we don't let anyone else go. We can trust in him. Because here's the thing. He already knows. He knows where every skeleton's hidden. He knows where all the garbage, he knows where all of the filth is hidden. He already knows. He's just waiting for us to open up to him. And the good news is he doesn't look at us any differently. He looks at us the same way he did when he was on that cross. Dying for us. He looks on us with love and mercy and grace. And he wants to see us succeed. He wants, to, he wants to see us have victory in our lives. See, again, this prayer is powerful. Let me read it again. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. See, that's is about as real as it gets in our relationship with God. To let him have full access, to let him have full control. But do you trust him enough to allow him to take a look under the hood of your life to see what issues are going on in there? Do you trust him enough? And do you trust him enough to, to change when he tells you what's going wrong? When he tells you there's an issue? When he tells you, hey, there's this problem and you need to clean it up? Do we trust him? And so to end this series today and to end this message, I thought, what better way? What better way to end this? But then to take communion together to remember what Jesus did for us on the cross and to take that time to say, God, search me, know me, clean me up, God. 
See, in 1 Corinthians 11, 28, it says uh, that everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. That everyone ought to examine themselves before they take communion. It's, again, just like this verse. This verse is saying, God, search me, examine me. Make sure I'm good, God, before I come to that table because I want to be wholly yours. So today, uh, before we, we take the elements in our hands, I want you just to take a moment. Worship team's going to be playing. I want you to just take a moment just between you and God. Don't know one else. And I want you just, the, the words of this prayer are on the screen. You can pray these, this verbatim. You can just pray it from your heart. But I want you to take a moment and make sure that you're right with God, that you give Him full access. Maybe today you've never accepted Christ as your Savior before. You've never done that. And, and today you can, you can take this time, you can take these few moments and just say, Lord, I want to I change. God, would you forgive me? God, I want to make you the Lord of my life. I believe you died and you rose again. And in that moment, God is going to do something miraculous. So again, let's take this next moment together. And let's just give it to God. Let's focus and, and say, God, would you forgive me? Search me and know me, oh God. pray that you would search us and know us. God, there's no one who knows us like you. So God, if there's anything standing in the way between us and you today, God, we pray that you would remove it, that you would shine a light on it. And let us know, God, that we can change, that we can be more like you. Clean us up today. Clean our hearts. Help us to be more like you. Search through the depths of us. Dig all the way down. In Jesus' name. Well, it said that the Lord Jesus on the night that he was betrayed, that he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And, and today, if you just open up the, the bottom of that and you can just hold the, hold the bread in your hand. And you don't have to be a member of this church to receive communion. The only requirement is that you're a follower of Jesus. So maybe just in the last few moments, you, you became a follower of Jesus. And you can, you can take that in communion with us this morning. But it's just a remembrance of what God did in that verse that I just read. To remember uh, what God did for us. To give him thanks for his body that was broken on that cross. Again, he didn't have to do it, but he did it willingly. He did it for us. So let's, let's pray. Jesus, we thank you. God, thank you for your body that was broken for us. God, thank you that because you gave your life, it meant new life for us. 
meant a second chance for us. So God, thank you for your body. God, thank you for all the pain that you went through. God, through the, the lashes that you endured. God, through the nails that were pierced in your hands and in your feet. The sword that was stuck in your side. The crown of thorns on your head. God, we thank you for your sacrifice. So God, we remember what you did today. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's take the bread together. in the same way after supper he took the cup saying this cup is a new covenant in my blood do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes so today we hold the cup in our hands and you can open that up and, and we remember in this moment the blood that Jesus shed on the cross for our, for our sins for our salvation Let's pray together. Jesus, God, I thank you again for the blood that you shed on the cross. God, thank you that it, it made us white as snow. God, that it, it, it changed everything. But Lord, it didn't come without a cost. God, you were that sacrificial lamb for our sins. And God, you love us completely. You know us completely. God, thank you for giving everything for us. So we thank you for the blood that you shed. We remember you this morning. We remember the sacrifice. God, may we live more like you. God, may we give ourselves wholly to you as you gave yourselves wholly to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's take it the cup together. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You know, that's love. That's love like you'll never experience anywhere else in this world is what Jesus did for you on that cross. That is real love. And that's why we can trust him. That's why we can be open and honest with him and give him our everything and say, God, search me and, and know me. That's why we can trust him with our hopes. That's why we can trust him with our fears, with our doubts, with our questions, with our worries. That's why we can give him all the praise because he would stop at nothing to show his love us. And when we do that, when we give ourselves to you, watch how Jesus can transform your life. Would you stand with me? Well, Jesus, we thank you today. God, thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your sacrifice that you made, for the humility that it took for the creator of this universe to humble himself to become a human like us and to go through that ultimate sacrifice. Jesus, thank you for your humility. And today, we, we praise your name. We lift you up because we know that you have been exalted to the highest place. You've been given a name like no other name. That the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord. And so we confess that today. We believe that today, that you are Lord. God, we come to you. God, every day we pray that we would have an honest conversation with you, that we wouldn't hide anything from you. We wouldn't pretend. But God, we would be real. So, Lord, I thank you for all the conversations that are happening today and that will happen between us and you. God, I pray that you would speak loudly. God, I pray that you would wrap your arms around each and every person here to know that they are loved, that you care about them. God, be with us as we leave this place, that you would move in power today. In Jesus' name, amen.
Amen. Thank you, church. Have an incredible week this week. Go in the power and in the presence of God. Thank you.